I'll bless your soul. Good to be loved, isn't it? Amen. Proverbs chapter number 11 tonight. Proverbs chapter number 11 tonight. And uh, we want to... Uh, we're going to pick back up again at uh, verse number 13 where we left off. I want to give you one little thought uh, in, uh, on verse number 13. And then we'll keep on, keep on uh, heading into the rest of the chapter. Proverbs chapter number 11. <clears throat> this is where we left off last week. In that verse, uh, we read it uh, several different ways, several different times throughout the book of Proverbs. God repeats himself for the sake of emphasis. In verse 13, a talebearer, uh, let's see, a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Heavenly Father, please, again, as we open up thy word, teach us and grow us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to jump on this pulpit mic and uh, uh, see if we can eliminate that popping there. All right, then. Um, <clears throat> Proverbs eleven thirteen. A talebearer, that somebody repeats the matter, uh, revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. And we talked about uh, last week learning to keep confidence, learning to be able to be trusted uh, and keep confidence and, and not wag your, your, your tongue about everything comes your way. And that's so important. And I, I was, uh, <clears throat> I want to draw an analogy. And uh, before we move on, Exodus chapter 37 and verse number 23, let me just read it to you. It's talking about the articles that God had to make for the temple worship and and sacrifices and so forth. And here's what he said in Exodus 37, 23. And he made his seven lamps, that's the seven golden candlesticks, and his snuffers and his snuff dishes. Now, that's not the kind of snuff you're thinking about, all right? That's not the kind that gets stuck in your lip, okay? And so he made him seven lamps and his snuffers and snuff dishes of pure gold. Of pure gold. Now, snuff. <laughs> some of you know what snuff is. I found it one time visiting nursing home with my dad, and this lady had a bowl of peanuts there. We was eating the peanuts, and uh, she offered them to us, and uh, she and she dipped snuff something awful. But anyway, but we said thank for the peanuts. She said that's fine. But uh, I ain't got no teeth. I just sucked the chocolate off and put them back in the bowl. And anyway. Sorry. <laughs> Nothing to do with the Bible study. Anyway, that's not that kind of snuff, all right? But uh, the snuff of a candle is the burnt part of the wick. When the wick burns, it turns black. That's the snuff. God made golden instruments and a golden Basin, a snuff dish, it's called a basin somewhere else in the scripture, out of gold. And those lamps had to be trimmed regularly throughout the day. A priest would go into the holy place. Remember, the holy place is just outside the Holy of Holies. And would trim the oil lamp, the wicks. And he would use these golden instruments to take that little burnt 
uh, that piece of burnt wick, and, and he would get it, and he would put it in a golden basin. Now, friend, there's a good picture of what you ought to do. What, you, uh, suppose, they didn't, suppose they didn't trim the lamps. Suppose they didn't take those golden uh, tongs, if you will, and pull that off. What would happen to it? It'd be falling this way and that way. The priest's garments pretty soon would have what? Black spots on them, right? You, you ever put a candle out and the wick was, uh, you know, burnt down and you pinched it with your finger or something like that? And what happens? You get soot on you, right? Now, let me tell you something. I, God was, this is how meticulous God is. God said, I want golden instruments to remove that which would defile the priest's garments. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good picture of what we ought to do with negative news. Amen. We need some holy snuff dishes. Amen. Not your kind of stuff. This kind of snuff. Amen. And we need to like like holy priests of God that we are. Priests of God. Heirs of God. Join heirs. We ought to go in there and we ought to learn and have some wisdom about what to do with negative reports. And and again, a tale bearer. It doesn't say false tale. It says tale. He said, well, it's true. Well, just because it's true doesn't mean you ought to spread it. Amen? No, no. Hey, put it in a golden basin. Amen? Tuck it away and let God handle it and those that are in direct authority over that matter. And don't take it any further than that. So many, so many people could get back up on their feet so much faster if God's people would obey that verse. But people, people feel like they can't get back up because the whole world knows their stuff. Now, I'm not talking about hide and sin. We all understand this. But I'm saying we as God's people, listen, I, I don't want to know everything negative about everybody. Amen. First of all, I have enough room in my head for it. <laughs> you know? But I don't need to know that. It'll just ruin my spirit. And I don't want my spirit ruined. Amen. And uh, 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 so, uh, I think that's... Just, brethren, if a man be overtaken or default, you which are spiritual, restore uh, him, the Bible says in Galatians 6, and I think that's what we ought to do. All right, now verse number 14. The Bible says where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Eighteen times in the book of Proverbs, you find the word counsel, or some for counsel, counseling, counselor, uh, counselors, plural, counsel, counselor. And uh, so it's an oft-repeated subject. It's not... not uh, uh, quite as often as some of the others, the tongue, for example, but it is an oft-repeated subject throughout the book of Proverbs. And, um, and, and we, ought, we ought to seek counsel. You know, uh, to rely solely on your own judgment in matters of importance is just really not smart. <laughs> Every one of us needs good advice. Amen? We need good advice. There's a principle first mentioned in the Bible. If you want to know what a word means, go look at the first time it's used in the Bible. And uh, Dr. Ripplinger uh, documented this in her tremendous book uh, in all of the Word of God. I, I think the title of it. Anyway, uh, and it's fascinating. I, I never thought of it. Never knew it. Never thought of it until I read that. And, and it's proven true over and over again. And so, uh, uh, anyway, first mention of the word counsel in Exodus 18:19. And the word counsel there simply means advice. That's what it means. Now, now we have replaced in, 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 in modern Christianity, we have replaced counsel 
with counseling. I'm not against counseling. That's not the point I'm making. But we somehow we got the idea that if we go sit down and talk about our problems, then that's enough. We need to start with counsel. Counsel is just advice. Amen? Amen. And we all need good advice. The Proverbs uh, 27-29 speaks about hearty counsel. Now, I'm not suggesting that uh, hearty counsel should be replaced with just pat answers. You know, just wrote answers, you'd say the same thing or whatever. I'm not suggesting that. I know there's times where something's involved, especially if it's a relationship or something like that, that could require a lot of time to build and rebuild and so forth like that. I, I understand that. But but uh, to 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 want to talk to everybody about your problems and not do anything, that's what I'm talking about. Better to have a 15-minute counseling session and walk out and do one thing to improve the situation than talk for three hours and then walk out and find someone else you can talk to for three hours. That's not helping much. We ought to seek advice. We ought to seek advice. And by the way, if we're going to seek advice, we ought to receive advice. Amen? Now, I understand. Ultimately, you and I, as with individual soul liberty, we believe that. Amen? You have to make your decision before God, and you're answerable to God. But I say this, we ought to all be open to advice. We ought to all be open to advice. Ultimately, you've got to make a decision. Yes, I understand that. And I'm not suggesting that 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 you can be absolved of your responsibility to make a decision. You say, well, somebody gave me advice. It's still your responsibility for God to make the decision. All of us should seek wisdom. Amen? But the, but you don't just you pray for wisdom, James 1, 5. But how do you get wisdom? You get around wise people. Amen? That's how you get wisdom. And so... Um, uh, so the Bible says here, uh, where no counsel is, the people fall. All right? But look at the second half of the verse. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Let me tell you what that's talking about. That's talking about having people that you know and respect and trust in areas. They're, they're proven in, in areas of life. And you go to them for advice. Look, I I I think there's some areas where I can help you. No, not I just I, I I know I I know I could I know there's areas of your life I could help you, but there's another way I could help you, and that is you know who you ought to talk to on that matter. That's the advice. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not the man to tell you how to overhaul an engine. I'm just not. I can tell you how to blow it up, <laughs> blow up an engine. Amen. But but I'm not the man for that. And by the way, part of being wise is knowing what you ought to give advice about, what you should give advice about. Amen? Right? So nobody's wise in every point, so to speak. But but knowing somebody who's proven, look, why would it blows my mind. Why would you listen to an Oprah Winfrey on relationship advice? Why? Why would you do that? Why why would you listen to somebody who's who is not proven in an area and take advice from that. That, that makes no sense. And so uh, a, a multitude of counselors. Here's what he's not talking about. When he says multitude of counselors, he's not talking about advice shopping. He's not talking about going to somebody 
and saying, uh, what, you, what do you think ought to do? What do you think ought to do? What do you think ought to do? What do you think? That's what you think. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you had to go to four people to find somebody. That's not what he's talking about. Okay. And, 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 and if you, if you just looking for somebody to give you the thumbs up, it won't, it, you find that eventually. You can find just about the advice you're looking for, you can find eventually. That's not, that's not what God's talking about. God is talking about, okay, but man becomes a president. What does he do? He puts together his cabinet. He's got somebody that's, uh, uh, over, over, uh, the military advisors. He's got, uh, transportation advisors and so on and so forth. And uh, much of his success will be dependent on his, uh, uh, cabinet of counselors, if you will. Now, let, let me, let me give you a couple of things that we can derive out of this verse. I was, I was thinking about this and had these notes already, but I added to it. Uh, we, we should be ethical in the matter of giving advice. We should be ethical. Um, it's not a Bible verse, but it is true that unsought advice is seldom heeded and often resented. It is. And uh, uh, if, if you want to give advice, then earn the right to do so. If you want to tell us about how to, what they've done in their marriage, build a good marriage. And somebody eventually will ask you. Amen? But to give, just go around giving advice because you, that, that, uh, that's not going to be well taken. Amen? Everybody understand that? And uh, so, uh, but, but, but the Bible says this about wisdom. Twice the Bible says wisdom is it's like, a, it's like deep waters and a wise man will draw it out. I think what God is saying there, one of the things God is saying is there, is that the real wisdom is not, it's not on the surface. You have to be, you got to, you got to get down a little bit to get it. And wise people understand that. Wise people are not as free with their opinions. And, uh, they, they, they sometimes they won't say anything. And the Bible said, even if you're a fool, if you don't say anything, you're counted wise. And so, uh, let me, let me give you some principles that I have tried to live by. I can't say that I've done this 100%, but things that I've tried to do. Um, all right, occasionally. Not, it's happened this year. Um, and uh, it was a very serious situation. But someone came to me and said, can, can you help us? I said, where do you go to church at? And they told me. I said, well, I need your pastors. I, I, only if your pastor wants me to. Uh, why? I'm not going to counsel another pastor's members. First of all, that's like trading doctors because you don't like what your doctor said to you and not carrying your records with you. That's that's not that's not going to help you. You're not going to get the best. Don't, don't well I get off track. But anyway, that's not ethical. That's not my place. That's not my place. I'll say something else here too. I'd be careful about giving advice to somebody else's kids without the parents' knowledge. You, you say, well, they they know I've got wisdom. No, no, no. They probably, they're probably advice shopping. So they can go back home and say, well, Mr. Cook said. Right? And uh, there's certainly no wisdom there, of course. Anyway, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I don't want to be one of many counselors. And if I, sometimes I find out somebody's asking a bunch of people, I might, I might not, I don't I don't think I've ever scolded anybody for that. I said, well, what's what are the others saying you've talked to? Well, some folk told me this. Well, that might be a good idea. Maybe you ought to think about that. 
But I, I'm not going to intentionally cause division by putting my two cents in when somebody's just gathering, you know. I, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't think that's really, uh, I don't think it's ethical, and I don't think it's healthy. Uh, I think it brings confusion and it brings division. I'm not going to knowingly disagree with or offer my opinion of another's advice. Once in a while, somebody come and say, you know, preacher, uh, I talked to Brother Hamilton about this. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I want to know what your opinion was. What did Brother Hamilton say? I tell him, I said, I'd never do anything Brother Hamilton said. But I point him back. I point him back. What did Brother Hamilton say? Well, you, why don't you listen to him? But I, I'm not going to intentionally divide loyalties. I'm not going to put somebody in a position where it's like, well, who do I, who's, you know, who, who's wiser? That's, first of all, you don't need to do that. You shouldn't put others in that position and, uh, 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 and cause, cause division. I don't want to do it. In, I, I refuse to do it intentionally. About, I don't want to do it unintentionally either. And sometimes I find out somebody's going around and talking to different people. And that's when I've said enough. In my mind, I understand that. Uh, I believe that um, if, 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 if I know, if I know a person has sought pastoral counsel, then I'm not going to in-depth counsel with them. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to, I don't want to divide loyalties. I don't, you listen. Remember what the Lord said. These six things that the Lord hate. Yea, seven is, is an abomination. God said, I hate the six things. Let me not forget number seven. Well, what was number seven? He that soweth discord among the brethren. Sometimes Christians get caught up in pointing out the differences in other Christians. Once in a while, small men will want to make themselves look big by pointing out what they disagree with in men greater than they. Well, you know, Dr. Alderson used to say this, and I, of course I don't believe that. If you don't believe it, you don't need to say that, sir. <laughs> yeah, I know your mama thinks this, your daddy thinks. You're not old enough to have an opinion about that yet. Keep your mouth shut. Till you have family, until you understand something. Anyway. <laughs> Parents, I'll say this tonight. If I know what you want for your kids, my intention is to support you. Kids, I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor. And I'm happy to be. I'm, I'm your man of God. And that's, not, that's by God's choice. I believe that in all my soul. But I say this. God gave you to your parents first. Now, I think if your parents are wise, they'll want to work in concert with pastor. I think that's wise. I think that's best for you. But if your parents have already told you what they want, I'm, on, I'm for your parents. I'm on your parents' side. You know, when, did you couples catch this this last weekend when Brother Goddard was speaking to us and giving us advice and so forth like that? And at least one time I heard him say, now listen, if your pastor thinks differently, then he's right on this matter and I'm wrong. Did you remember that? Did you hear that, Kevin? That's, that's a principled man. Amen? That's a man saying, I'm not, this, I think this works. It's worked for me. It's worked at my place. But it ne- not necessarily you follow your leader. And I, I appreciate that. I think that's ethical. And I think we ought to do more of that. Amen? Listen, it is absolutely wicked to harbor disloyalty. It's wicked. It's wicked. Whether a child being disloyal to his own parent and somebody wanting, somebody, oh, they like me. They think I'm awesome. Uh, you, you might be uh, getting, uh, 
I was going to use the word played, but I don't know how to use it the right word. You understand what I mean? So you might be getting taken. Uh, no, authorities ought to stick together. Amen? Authorities ought to back each other up. Uh, teachers ought to back up parents. Parents ought to back up teachers. Amen? And if you have a disagreement, you go behind closed doors. You don't, you don't, you don't do that in front of your, of your, your kids, and your kids will be better off. Listen, I don't want... I might hear something I don't agree with. But my children do not need to know that if it deals with authority. Now, if it's a, I'm not talking about moral issue. I'm not talking about sin. Everybody understand? I'm not about advice, right? Advice. Best way to shoot a basketball, best way to buy a car. Yeah, I'm talking about good practical advice. Everybody understand? I'm not talking about sin, okay? But uh, somebody might, uh, a teacher, somebody in authority might say something. Uh, then uh, I, I weigh the matter. If it's not a big deal, I don't need to put my two cents in. Because, listen, I would rather our kids have a sense of loyalty to authority. And loyalty doesn't mean you follow somebody off a cliff. It doesn't mean you don't have a brain. It means that you understand the biblical principle of godly counsel and good advice and have the humility to be teachable and learn from people that are smarter than you. That's what I'm talking about. And and, and I'll say this. Um, the people with whom I may disagree on some minor point might be the ones who can help my children down the road somewhere when I can't help them. There may come a time in my life where my kids are not going to lend an ear to me, but I would love for them to have a multitude of godly people they love and trust that could influence my children in a good way. Now, if I told my kids every time I disagreed with Coach... I'm sorry. Uh, if I told my kids every time, every little thing, I disagree. Look, first of all, I, that's small anyway. It doesn't make me big to tell everybody what I disagree with. Now, it may be an important matter, and I feel like I need my... I, you got to weigh that. But I'm talking about this petty little, I got to be right on every little issue. I just, am I making any sense tonight? I don't know. I hope, I hope it makes sense. Uh, we all ought to be teachable. Amen. And we need, we need to pass that on to our kids. All right. Verse 15. Enough on that one. He that is surety. Remember that word surety? We go back to, I think it was chapter six where we start on that. Anybody tell me what surety is? What is surety? Surety is, here's a little hint. I'm signing my name. Co-signing. Co-signing. Remember that? Here it is. Uh, now, uh, surety can be uh, 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 legitimate. There's a legitimate time to do something like that. But it, it, the Bible warns against it. He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. Smart. We, you, you, we use that word a little bit still. How many of you still use the word smart in this way? Oh, that smarts. You know, you smash your finger. Ah! Anybody still say that? All right, a few of us. Uh, all right. So that's that's what this word is. It's going to sting you, in other words. It's going to bite you. That's what he's saying. So if you carelessly put your name on a dotted line and tie it to someone else's character, it's going to come back to bite you. That's what God is saying. He that is surety for a stranger shall uh, smart for it, and he that hateth 
suretyship is sure. Uh, here's a thought for this one. Be careful when helping someone. Be careful when helping someone. There's the statement we give. Be careful when helping someone. First of all, make sure you're actually helping them. You may not be helping them. You say, well, I, the line, the character and everything. But you may not be helping them by co-signing or whatever else they're asking of you. Um, sometimes we think we're helping, but we're not helping. I remember when I was a freshman, one of my first weeks on the streets of Chicago. And, wow, I never saw anything like that before in my life. And, um, and a man came up to me, and uh, he, he, was, he, was, he asked for some money. And he said, I've got however many children. He said, we, I, I, I don't have any money. He said, I haven't eaten in three days. And I'm like, whoa, good night. Man, I had eaten in three days. And he gave me a story, and I said, and I was a freshman in Bible because I had no, I was broke. And, uh, and looking back, he probably had more money than I did. But anyway, but uh, I said, I don't have any money. I said, I got the college would give you a sack lunch. You'd pay room and board if you was gone during the day to work or something. You'd go by and you could get a sack lunch. So Saturday, I'd get a sack lunch, a brown paper bag with, had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in it and granola bar or something else. Anyway, so I, so I said, I don't have any money. I said, but I said, I've got a lunch. I said, you're welcome to that. He said, what have you got? <laughs> I, I, I said, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He said, I don't like peanut butter and jelly. I was like, so I'm sorry I don't have anything to give you. Sorry. You ain't eaten in three days and you don't like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes you think you're helping somebody, but you're not necessarily helping them, are you? Um, learn, young people, learn to distinguish the difference between a gift and a maneuver. Okay? I'm not talking about you giving. I'm talking about somebody giving something to you. Uh, He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. He that hateth suretyship is sure. Um... Be careful when helping someone and be careful when someone wants to help you. Now, I'm not saying be suspicious of everybody who wants to do something nice for you. But you'll learn in your life that sometimes people are generous and they have a reason behind it. The Bible speaks about that. Proverbs 18, 16 said, A man's gift maketh room for him. Some people give because they they are creating an expectation. How many of you are an adult you know what I'm talking about? You've maybe experienced something like this before. Uh, learn to distinguish the difference between a gift and a bribe, or a gift or, and a desire for control, a gift and a desire for manipulation. I've known folks who do something generous for somebody. Let me help you with that. Then come back later and want to be paid for it. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, if somebody says, I, I want to help you with that, you make sure you understand what help with that means. Okay? If that means go running up a bill and have something done at your house or whatever, then you're going to come back later and collect on that. You know, that that's not a gift, by the way. And uh, anyway, I think that's part of what the Bible's warning against. A gift expects no favors in return. Let, let me say something, Christian people here. We should be careful about not presuming on one another's kindness. I won't use names tonight. But, you know, there's some very, very generous people in this church. 
some very, very generous with their time. And honestly, quite frankly, as I've told our staff this in the office, I said, no, don't ask them. Mm-mm, don't do that. Because as their shepherd, I'm concerned about people being taken advantage of. Listen, we always paid our babysitters. Always. Now, I can't tell you how many times they said, no, 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 Pastor, we just want to do this first. No, we're going to do it. I'm not saying you have to do that. You might make an arrangement with somebody. I keep your kids. You keep your kids. But to uh, to presume on someone else's time and say, I, 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 that's not right. <laughs> now, if you 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 offer to uh, to 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 uh, uh, give compensation and they turn it away and want to be a blessing to you, I'm not saying you can't accept that. But I just knew I was going to be wanting a babysitter every week. Amen? Every week, I knew was, I was going to spend time with my sweetie pie. And that means a babysitter. Now, we were very selective, obviously, with the who babysat our babies. I'm not getting to that part of it. But I'm just saying that God's people... Uh, we, we have a little saying at our house. Uh, you, you, you call from one room to another room. Hey, where's the such and such? Right? Years and years ago, I don't know how it started, but uh, probably my sweet wife started it. I don't know how it started. Do you remember? You do? How did it start? Oh, it was a radio commercial. Anyway, but but, uh, here's the thing. It's next to the spatula. Now, it's next to the spatula means... You can just as well get out of your chair and go look for it as I can get out of my chair and go look for it. So get out of your chair and go look for it. <laughs> it's a sweet way. Amen. Honey, where's the sugar? Next to the spatula. <laughs> but we, we, we have a tendency to do that, don't we? We're just naturally selfish. And I think we as God's people ought to be thoughtful of one another. Amen. Thoughtful one another. I tell our staff. Don't park your car in the middle of the drive. You, I don't know if there's a car out there or not. I, I have no idea. But if you park your car right there where people drive through and they can't get through, you're selfish. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. <laughs> you're not thinking. You, know, you, you park your car and then you walk in 15 minutes later, you come out and there's six cars right there waiting. People can't get out. And, is, it, is this all right with everybody? <laughs> we ought to be thoughtful. Today, I, I parked my Vehicle today, this morning, I come to the office, park my vehicle. First guy to is go pick up the trash people throw out their window. I hate picking up your gum, but I pick it up. I can't tell you how many times these little fingers right here have picked your chewing gum up off the parking lot. And cigarette butts and everything else. Pick up your own, for crying out loud. But we're not very thoughtful. We're not very thoughtful. I had a part-time job, and... Um, in, in Monday mornings, the uh, I was I was what they called a casual. It was a, it was a union shop, with a great wage, but I had no guaranteed hours. And uh, Monday morning, it took about four hours for the trucks start coming in real heavy. We started our shift at six, and there were guys there making lots of money. And, and and honestly, for about an hour, two, two, three hours, there wasn't a whole lot to do. There was a lot of guys was supposed to be cleaning, and guys leaning on brooms. Well, I I was like, I'm gonna clean. I started, I mean, I cleaned. I went out in front of the uh, entrance of the Consolidated Freightways Terminal, and it was always riddled with cigarette butts. 
And I cleaned that thing up to a T. There's no freight coming in. I cleaned it up and I, I cleaned. The terminal manager said, came in. He said, who did this? Want to know who did it? They told this part-time guy over here. Terminal manager called me in. He said, you clean that up? I said, yes, sir. I said, I can do a lot more if you want to. If you want me to. He said, you're full-time now. Thank you, sir. <laughs> got benefits. Got full-time hours. What? Sweeping cigarette butts. Amen. I thank God for those guys that throw them things down. Amen. <laughs> God's we've all been, we ought to be thoughtful of each other. Amen. We ought to be thoughtful of each other. Let's keep going here. Uh, verse number um, sixteen. This is a good verse. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. The word retain means to hold on to. Here's a statement for you: Honor, like riches, can be easily lost. Honor like riches can be easily lost. You know, it behooves us all to remember, it takes a long time to build a good reputation, but boy, it can be gone that fast. It takes a long time to build trust, doesn't it? And trust can be betrayed in just a moment's time. Retain means to hold on to. Honor, the word honor there is like our word dignity. Dignity. Ladies, girls, don't trifle with your dignity. First of all, respect your God. Second of all, respect yourself. And then thirdly, respect others. Don't trifle. Don't trifle with your honor. A gracious woman retaineth honor. Girls, listen to pastor. Don't trifle with your good name. Don't trifle with your dignity. Don't trifle with your womanhood. Don't trifle with your chastity. Don't trifle with your femininity. Girls value graciousness and practice graciousness. Little children, listen to me. Little children, listen to me. You start now practicing graciousness. All right, let me give you an example. Christmas morning. It's Christmas. Kids, listen to me. Children, listen to me. It's Christmas morning and you open a present. What do you do then? You find the person who gave it to you You walk across the room. If it's Nana, you give her a big hug and a kiss. If it's Pop Pop, you give him a big hug. You say, thank you, Pop Pop. Now, let me tell you something. Why do you do that? Because you get a lot more presents. That's why. (laughs) But that's, that's, that's learning to be gracious. You ought to receive things graciously. Uh, thank you so much. I don't like this. Receive compliments with grace. You know, some, some people, they betray their femininity and their chastity to get attention and the wrong kind of attention. It, you, girls, you don't have to do something. You don't have to be sleazy to get a compliment. And if you get one, it's not a compliment. You be, you be a lady. Be a lady. Someone's new. You young, young people, listen to me. Junior department. Oh, I'm proud of Braden. Let me say this. I'm proud of Braden. Let me tell you why I'm proud of Braden. Olivia told me the other day, Sunday it was, uh, she had a 10-year-old boy that came as a visitor. Been visiting for since last summer. But he came Sunday, finally. Praise the Lord. And, and uh, she said, I took him to the junior department. She said, Dad, if I have a visitor in the junior department, I take him to Braden. 
I said, why? He said, Braden takes care of them. So I asked him about that later. He said, yeah. He said, I showed him around. I showed him where the restrooms were. I showed him where his class was going to be. That's graciousness. Amen. Whoa, glory. Wouldn't it be great if in every department, every grade, wouldn't it be great if a new teenager walked into the department and instead of everybody sitting looking at them, you move toward them. Amen. You walk up to them. You stick out your hand. You say, hi. Girls wink at the boy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, no. I don't mean that. But if, girl, if girl, you girls move toward the girl, go greet her. It's the first time. You, those those first moments of walking in a brand new place, a, a teen department or something, or coming to the church are so, so crucial. Mercy. Be gracious. Be great. You know what? I know. Oh, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Put your feelings away. I know you like to sit where you like to sit. I like to sit where I like to sit. But if somebody walks in and they're in that awkward looking for a seat, move over. Go like this. Sit here. Nah. Wonder where they're going to land. No. I see it all from up here, so I, the vantage point. Men, the Bible said men retain riches. Hey, fellas, can you hold on to a dollar? You say, no, my wife won't let me. Uh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Uh, hold on to a dollar. Don't trifle with your earnings. Work hard, but don't trifle with your earnings. Think before you invest. Think before you spend. Never gamble. Never gamble. Never gamble. It's a dishonest way. Listen, poor people pay for the ones who win the millions. Go look at who's buying the lottery tickets. The poor are footing the bill. I want people to get rich are the politicians. The ones that are in charge of the racket. You're welcome. Don't gamble with your testimony. Don't trifle with your name. Keep your word. Don't two time, young men. Old men. Don't cheat. Don't steal time from your boss. Be honest. Put some money back. Save. Be like the ant. Amen. The Bible said, look verse 17. The merciful man doth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. Being good to others is good for you. (laughs) There's a statement for you. Being good to others is good for you. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Do you know what? Forgiving helps you more than the one you forgive. It really does. I think it was Brother Smith, I heard first hear him say this. We think if we forgive, we're going to let somebody off the hook. He said, no, no. When you forgive, you don't let someone else off the hook. You let yourself off the hook. That's a good statement, isn't it? What does Micah 6, 8 say? He hath showed the old man what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. God said, you want to, you want to know what I expect? Love mercy. God said, do justice, make sure you do right by people, but really, really enjoy 
when you can show mercy to someone else, when you have the right to hold their feet to the fire, and you have the right to demand justice, and you say, you know what, God's been better to me than I deserve. I'd like to do the same for you. I'd like to show mercy. Verse number 18, 19. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. Simple statement. Cruel, bitter people destroy their own life. Cruel, bitter people destroy their own life. Miss Faye, I got convicted a little while ago when I was getting my notes ready because I still have your book. I bought my own book, but I haven't returned yours yet. So um, I would like to give your book back and make my conscience clean tonight. <laughs> she loaned me a book probably a year ago. And it's a great book. And the title kind of throws you off. It's called The Insanity of God. Anybody, anybody happen to read that book? It's just stories about God's people in different places, suffer for the cause of Christ and so forth. And uh, anyway, one of those stories, mercy moved my heart. A man named Stoyan was 12 years old when his father was arrested by his father's a pastor, was arrested by the communists. And they didn't see him for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Couldn't go to the head. There was, I think it was once a week or maybe twice a week for one hour you could go and visit the prisoners. And they'd go, he and his mom would go every time they could, and they'd wait by the fence, and the prisoners would come out, and they'd run up to the fence, talk to their loved ones. Dad never came out, never came out, never came out. One day, they'd go faithfully, though. And one day, a prison guard came carrying the emaciated body of a man, laid him on a table. And it was Dad. And um, they let mom and son come. It was in a contained area, but they allowed him to come and speak to him as he laid on the table. Mom had a little Bible. She always brought it, had a little Bible tucked. And she tried to slip it into his, to his shirt or something. And they caught her. Screamed at her, took it, threw it in the dirt, cursed and swore at her. Don't you understand? That's why your husband's here, because that blankety blank book. What they didn't know is for the first, I, I, I won't say nine months, I don't remember the time frame, but for the first nine months, now this is crude, it's, I'll be honest, it's going to be crude. But I'll try to do it the right way. The kind of suffering this man went through, he was beaten regularly. One of the prison guards, every day, would bring his breakfast after he had smeared his own feces on the toast. His breakfast was a piece of toast. And the prison guard would smear his own feces on the toast. The humiliation, just the, the wretchedness of that. Every day he did it. Finally, he was put into, interned in a in a, another prison camp. They didn't see him for a long time. It was years later. He was released. By the way, after he was in prison, the communists came and said, you got two hours to get out of your house. Kicked the mom and the son. Kicked, all they could carry was what they could carry with them. They had no money. 
while they were packing up their stuff, somebody showed up, another servant of God, another pastor, somebody, and came and said, God woke me up last night, and I called our church, and we brought some money together, thought you might need it. And she said, we're being kicked out of our house right now. And he said, well, here's enough. This is enough here to take care of your needs for about six months. When that runs out, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you again. God's people took care of that pastor's wife and her son. Now listen to this story. Their father wasn't killed. They took him and they put him up against a post and put a firing squad in front of him and said, Will you once and for all denounce Jesus Christ? He said, I cannot and I will not denounce my Lord and Savior Jesus. He was full well expected to go into eternity. They dropped their guns grabbed him, walked to the front gate, shoved him out, and closed the gate behind him. Evidently, they didn't have the authority to kill him, but they were just trying one last time to get a confession out of him, get him to to deny his faith, and he wouldn't do it. He finally found his way back to his wife and to his son and to God's people. Now listen to this. He's been back home for about two months, and there's a lady in the church who says, will you pray for my son? He's gone blind from diabetes. He's just young. He's young. He's middle-aged, but he's so weak, they don't expect him to live. And the pastor said to the, the, the pastor of the church where they were, to this former pastor who'd been in prison, still still emaciated in body, said, would you, I, 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 I'm going to be gone or something. Could you go with this lady in the church and, and visit her son? He said, I'd be happy to. Now, listen to this. Here's a middle-aged boy, blind, middle-aged man, blind, diabetes. He's now sick and dying. The pastor walked into the house. And the lady said, we've been praying for my son. Could you pray for my son? And went back in a little bedroom in the back where this man lay. And laying in the bed was the very prison guard who had so humiliated him his first when he first got into prison. And that dear man of God, in his soul, said, Lord, I forgive him. I forgive him. Never ever told the mother, never revealed who he was to the man. He got medicine the man needed to relieve some of his discomfort. The man died shortly after, but he went faithfully ministered to that man until he died. The very man he humiliated. Now you listen to me. Listen to me. God is not aloof. God is not. One day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the cruel and bitter people destroy their own life and destroy their own health. Verse number 20 follows in the same theme as righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth to his own death. Verse 20, they that are of a froward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. God's not a pacifist. Let me give you a statement on this. Crooked, twisted people make God sick. That's what abomination means. It means it makes God sick. It means it makes him want to throw up. Crooked, twisted people make God sick. There's a lot of cruel, wicked, crooked, twisted people in the world today. Amen? You say, why didn't God rain down fire from heaven? Listen, before you get too excited about God coming and cleaning up all the evil, just stop and think if He did that, why not start at your house or my house? We thank Him for His mercy. Amen? But His mercy should not be misconstrued as pacifism. 
God's not a pacifist. He is long-suffering, but he's not aloof. And the Bible said that he's angry with the wicked every day. Listen, if it weren't for God's mercy, the Bible said every one of us would be consumed. Amen? We are alive and breathing today because God is a merciful God. I'll stop right there tonight. And um, some good stuff in here, isn't it? Amen. Some good stuff. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the Bible. Again, thank you.